Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And in today's episode, we're covering minute 19 of The Cabin in the Woods. And this episode is all about voyeurism. Again. (laughs) (laughs) But from a different point of view. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're turning it on its head slightly. (laughs) Yes. And I think we have a lot to say on this. And I was going to kind of say right up top that... If my dad (laughs) or my mom (laughs) happens to be listening to this minute, things might get a little uncomfortable. So you might want to skip this one because I think Molly and I are going to talk about (laughs) sexy things and uh, might not be for family listening. (laughs) I know. Dad, earmuffs. <laughs> this might just be the episode you want to skip No earmuffs. On. You just turn it off. <laughs> if there's earmuffs on, you're not listening to the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, fair warning. We're gonna, you know, we've got some some sensual things to to discuss and discover here. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So uh, this episode starts out with uh, Holden taking off his shirt in front of the two-way mirror. So this is a continuation of last scene where Dana and Holden switched rooms because Dana was a little uncomfortable with, you know, obviously being watched. And so they switch and then Holden immediately takes his shirt off in front of the two-way mirror. And it gives Dana a little bit of a pause. And she actually says, whoa. As do I. (laughs) And I second. (laughs) So I don't know. You know, she was stooping, as uh, my husband's grandmother likes to say, a (laughs) middle-aged gentleman. And so I don't know if it's just been a while since she's seen some sweet 20-something-year-old man meet. And this was a, oh, wow, this is a a gentleman who works out. (laughs) I'm enjoying said gentleman. Um, (laughs) Or she just hasn't seen a ripped dude in his 20s in, in quite a while. So either way, it was a moment of pause for Dana and for us too, really. Yeah. And I think too, like you were saying, this is a mirror of her earlier or his earlier minute where he sees her and is a bit startled for a moment because he's totally not not expecting it. You can imagine her walking in the room, even though she is aware or or became aware moments ago that there's this mirror that you can see through, she probably did kind of forget as soon as she walked back in the room, you know, so it may just be a whole new discovery all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm getting a bit of a bit of a show here. (laughs) (laughs) And I do really like that we've got, um, you know, equal footing here in the movie, at least so far, where we got a little peekaboo of her. And, you know, I think it was respectful and, you know, she's a, an attractive woman and we get a little little cheesecake. And then right now we get a little turnaround of some nice shirtless beefcake. We, we mentioned before that Peter Deming, the cinematographer, worked with David Lynch and, uh, you know, worked on Mulholland Drive, among other things. And, and you 
what I really, one of the things I appreciate here is the way he orchestrated the shot and um, the way he, you know, he or whoever was the lighting, you know, the people responsible for doing the lighting really set this up because they both have this like really angelic sort of golden light across their, you know, her face. And then mm-hmm. his body is just like beautifully lit from, you know, from the kind of the window side, you know, so it still has this natural quality to it. But it's definitely, this is definitely a minute I did not have any problem viewing and reviewing. (laughs) I have to say, I love her face. I love her facial expression when he first takes his shirt off. And it's that mellow yellow song that, oh, yeah. You know, thinking about previous scenes that this is referential to and um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool mm-hmm. and, you know, that pause. And granted, you're not seeing the quote unquote full goods here, but it's, again, that reference to pause, sweet meats, and her face of just just dropping and like, oh, my gosh, is, is so... You know, it's really rare, actually, that, you know, I think that's what you know makes this particular minute successful, too, is her deadpanned enjoyment of him. And I know we touched on this a little bit with when Harper was here, and I think Harper had made the comment of, you know, we were just talking about how there's a two-way mirror here, and, you know, he's already like, I'm going to strip down in front of it. You know, there's really no no substantial pause there. And I don't know if he was like, hey, I'm, I'm being a good guy, and I'm going to, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't go off to the sides away from the mirror just in case. He's just like, I'm cool. Like, we good. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to take it off here, right in front. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's definitely a choice for him i think i mean we could say maybe he's kind of forgotten but i don't think so but but also just that (laughs) comfort of like being sort of in the um you know in your sexual prime uh, usually they say men in their 20s are they're kind of their sexual prime and he's obviously in you know nice physical condition like you mentioned and so he probably feels pretty comfortable in his his skin so why not just do what comes naturally and and also you know it's a bit of a it's a flirt opportunity here she can choose i mean you know he's really putting it in her hands here you know she can choose to you know she makes a choice in this minute to cover up the mirror but she also could have stayed and watched if she wanted to. <laughs> she could have. She really could have. And, you know, I know this is a little advanced down the minute, but we get that little tease where, you know, he's starting to take his pants down. So you see a little bit of like hip and a little like just the, just the smidge of cheek mm-hmm. <laughs> before she's like, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. You know, let's go ahead and, you know, cover that back up. So the, the timing of that is is well done. It's just like, we're almost there. Nope, you're not seeing the junk. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice little tease there. Well, it it reminded me of... When I went to see, when James Bond got its nice big reboot in 2006, and Daniel Craig was going to be the new James Bond, as he, you know, currently is, and uh, Casino Royale came out, and, and I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it just had a beautiful cold open and great, just 
gritty, wonderful, fantastic action scenes and was just just really liked it a lot. But also he has this, you know, nice, very uh, Bond girl reveal where he comes out of the water in his bathing suit <laughs> and you get his full handsomeness revealed and I remember my girlfriends that I went to see the movie with really giggled because while I was sitting there watching the film in the in the you know on the big screen as he came up out of the water I I absolutely just without even really thinking it said out loud acceptable <laughs> you know, like I just <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this this works for me <laughs> as he, you know, the water's beating off of his skin and he's got his his nice little I think they're like baby blue, you know, bathing trunks on and they're kind of a European style, so they're a little bit on the shorter side and very contoured around his bod and stuff so so this just reminded me of that kind of like yeah this is this is nice because it really is something that and I didn't do a bunch of statistics about you know women being revealing their bodies versus men in, in film and pop culture and everything but I mean it's pretty obvious most of the time at least historically it's been women have been you know a bit more of the eye candy so it's it is really I like how things are evening out more these days, but it is um, it is nice to to just see the form and just have the male form be what it is in a nice, attractive, cool, like, yeah, this guy's cute. I'm totally into it kind of a way. <laughs> well, it's it let's give the people what they want. And I mean, I do appreciate from a philosophical point of view of turning the male gaze on its head because you're right and that there is, we know what this scene looks like from the women perspective where there is this reveal of a beautiful woman and whether she's in, you know, some sort of beautiful cocktail attire and the made up and the lighting and it's used to like highlight, you know, her beauty in that moment. And we've seen that image so many times but you're right this is like the raw you know male version of that and you know we talked off camera about specific scenes where this particular minute typifies another male based scene and this is the exact scene that i also had written down was the casino royale daniel craig coming out of the water mm. and yes because it was mighty memorable <laughs> <laughs> And aside from just the the sheer appreciation of that movie as well, the man spent obviously a tremendous amount of time on his physique to be able to look like he could do the things that he could do. And he's just, I mean, a, yeah, it's he's sweet British beef. And, you know, I, I applaud you, sir, for your efforts, <laughs> and, you know, bringing entertainment. And what's also very interesting is that scene was not intentional. That was him just coming out of the water, just him coming out of the water. They ended up deciding to use it, but it was not intended as that homage that we saw from um, Dr. No. Mm. It's just him being sexy, coming up out of the water naturally. That's just raw Daniel Craig. <laughs> they just decided <laughs> that that was good to use in the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, acceptable. <laughs> Hashtag acceptable. <laughs> Hashtag acceptable. And I think we've just discovered what the name of this particular episode is going to be. <laughs> Hashtag acceptable. <laughs> well, yeah. And so along those same lines, and I love that, you know, you and I kind of came up with the same reference point here, uh, doing our separate thoughts and research. I didn't really have to research. I just thought, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this reminds me of this other time. But also, um, you and I have not talked about this, but I absolutely am reminded of something else that's just so fun and crazy and unique and awesome, which is... 2015's Magic Mike XXL. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, it is absolutely delightful in its silliness. In its, it's like a road trip movie, but just filled with men dancing and being all over the place, super crazy and, and just over the top. And so much that... It's kind of like, to me, it was kind of like sitting, you know, in my living room watching it. You know, I wasn't with like a bunch of girls or anything. I think actually it was just me and my husband watching or, you know, he was kind of walking in and out of the room. But I was just like, this movie is fun, you know, and I was just like laughing and, you know, blushing. And, and I mean, I don't blush easily, but just at, at the raw over the toppedness of what it is and it does have a sense of humor and it does you know it does get what it is it is exactly what it's supposed to be but like the first one i enjoyed but this one is just takes it all to a whole new level so i will have to check that out i was i'll be honest with you i was a little bit afraid of the sequel um and even though it's soderbergh and soderbergh is amazing and but i mean i enjoyed the original quite a bit and it was one of those things that, again, I had to kind of go, I'm going to go watch this alone. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, the second one really has a bit of a different tone to it. I think the first one, mm. I felt like, you know, if if memory serves, I felt like there was still a bit of a, like, telling a simple story here. You know, like the, there was, it was grounded in some, a bit of drama and, you know, a, kind of a simple tale and this second one kind of like takes that one and then just throws it on the road, throws in Jada Pinkett Smith, throws in Elizabeth Banks, and and, and it's really fun. It's it's super fantastic. So if if you want your beef take cake and and some silly over the topness, just have and just something which just like I would never say guilty pleasure, just a pleasure, you know, <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, an early recommendation this week, Magic Mike XXL. Cool. I was looking at Netflix and the original was on there. And I was like, I never saw the XSL XXL version. I really should go check that out. And now I, I have to, I have to do it. We have to follow up with that. Probably not on air, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, we talked about dude about to pull his pants off. Mm -hmm. And Dana was like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. Um, after she puts the, the painting back up. Right. Because we're getting another view of that horrific <laughs> painting. <laughs> Right. So that's kind of a sexual buzzkill, that painting. Big time. <laughs> Unless you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> and we don't judge 
badge around here at Cabin Minicast. So if that's your thing, bless your heart. <laughs> Just be safe, kids. <laughs> but yeah, the, again, she she mirrors. Uh, his reaction to it just being dodgy and then, you know, snags a, a lovely blanket to cover it up so she doesn't have to look at that. And then there's this nice trick with the color change where it shifts from, you know, the the normal reality view to kind of a, you know, bluish grayed out view. And the camera starts pulling away to see that we're the there's a different perspective here that all of these people are being watched on different monitors. So as it slowly pulls back, you can see like a half dozen monitors of the front of the cabin. You can see Marty and you can see Jules and that other dude who's Thor. Um, <laughs> Kurt. <laughs> Kurt. Kurt. <laughs> so Thor and Jules are, like, <laughs> you know, are, are talking some smack. And I think he's already like, you know, I think she asks, and I don't remember if you, well, we haven't talked about it, but I don't know if you were able to hear this little bit of dialogue, but is, does she ask him, like, are you going to get undressed? Because they're, you know, supposed to head out to the lake. And he's like, do you need any help? I couldn't, like, I could hear some dialogue a little bit, but not quite exactly what they were saying. So, yeah. And then I heard Marty, but like what he says, he's kind of talking to himself. And then what he says sort of flows into the next minute, I think. Yeah, I couldn't quite catch what he was saying. I mean, I did see that he had a book with him because I know he was like, I'm going to go look at a book with pictures and that happens in a future minute. So I was right. like, oh, that's the picture book. You brought it with or you didn't. You got a picture book with you. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of brings up the next thing that I wanted to chat about, which is this next tier of voyeurism that we have. So we have the two-way mirror, which is a, a very old-timey analog approach. And I believe that was what I said, 1903 was when the two-way mirror was developed. So and Marty had that funny comment about like, it was pioneer times, we had to make our own interrogation rooms. <laughs> right, right. And we have that juxtaposed with this obviously more brand new technology of all of these people being watched simultaneously by someone else without their knowledge. And so they have the power to be viewing them and they don't know. And so I wanted to go from there. That is our point of departure of which to have a talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's the third, you know, the third viewer, which is us. So yeah, we've got a, sort of a triple view here because as Drew and Joss mentioned, I think in the commentary, the uh, Hadley and Sitterson in the control room is sort of a, a, the avatars of the two of them. Mm. And then we are, they they describe us as being the, the gods. So us, the, the viewers of the film, you know, and then we've got our, our gang here. So we're really getting like a triple, triple dipple here. Mm. <laughs> um, well, the first thought I had was going back to the movie Casino and there's a early-ish scene and it's Robert De Niro who's narrating and he's like the the dealers are watching the players and the floor right. manager is watching the dealer and the pit boss is watching you know so and so and then at the end of it's and the eye in the sky is watching us all right and so it reminded me of that this is a really interesting thing from a human perspective because we obviously can't we as normal human beings, just as like meat bodies, 
can't see multiple angles and people in a variety of places just naturally in our like three-dimensional organic way. But now we've developed this technology where we can watch multiple places all at the same time. That's that whole Britain CCTV thing where, you know, we've got cameras everywhere. We've got cameras that are watching us as we go to work. And, you know, this is obviously part of the the philosophy of this movie of who is watching us and who is okay to watch us, right? And how do you give consent to being viewed? And, you know, then you have the sense of where I think this is about the sexual titillation of different tiers of people watching and the people who are being watched don't know they're being watched. And there's a titillation of the power of watching. And then there's also people who get off on being watched and get off on being able to, you know, and and loathe as I am to mention it, to drop Kim Kardashian into this, but being part of the current zeitgeist of this is somebody who obviously enjoys people watching her. And that voyeurism is something that we have a whole co-creation going on with reality TV and especially with this particular family of they are being paid to be watched by us, knowingly watched by us. And even somewhat unknowingly, if you've got, you know, paparazzi running around, that's a whole other discussion. But um, I feel like this is in this little bitty snippet, there is this like other sexual overtone and power overtone of who's being watched and do they know they're being watched and those who are watching how is and in this case there's there's no consent being given because they don't know they're being watched currently but there is that sense of like ooh, the power and and you're right like and we're that titan view of we're watching we're the eye in the sky watching it all we're seeing everything in that um person of interest show the whole show is talking about that specific subject that whole show is cameras being you know camera they're using cameras at every stop all over um, new york or the different locations that they go to and questioning constantly is it okay to use the information that we've gotten through these views and through this computer to figure out you know who's who's good and who's bad or who sh- who can we help or who should we hurt and all this stuff um, and in my personal life I live in kind of a a bit of a sketchy neighborhood. So you visited me here (laughs) in uh, Oakland, and there's a lot of beautiful places in Oakland. And I consider my neighborhood a beautiful place, but it's also a little sketchy. And we've got our fair share of people who've who migrate through the area that have, um, you know, drug problems or are homeless or, you know, any combination. And for some of those people, that means they've we've gotten. You know, people that have broken into our backyard or our the house next door when there was nobody living there yet between uh, between owners of the building, you know, people that were squatting back there. And, and that can be all fine. You know, it can be no issue at all. But we did have some problems with people peering into our backyard and people stealing a couple of things, nothing of, you know, super great value, luckily. But uh, we've had people break into our cars and things. And so we have cameras all over the fucking place. Mm. We have a camera that's pointed down onto our 
driveway. We have one on our front porch. We have one pointed in the backyard and we have one in the basement. And so those are continually recording. And I mean, we dump the recordings or we just have all this data we didn't need, but they're continually recording the activities. And it has been helpful in um, making claims, you know, for our insurance for our cars. And and it took us a lot of, um, you know, a lot of conversation between my husband and I of, you know, do we, is it worse if we put up a camera? Does it, does that invite, you know, people to fuck with us or, you know, just the, the, the different, con- or do you just feel like you're be, you're giving in to fear and paranoia, but it really felt more empowering to do it. And I'm glad we did it, but it also means that we can sit in our living room and look at our television and pull up that, you know, live feed and see who's at the front door if somebody knocks at our door and we don't know who it mm. is. So it's, it has changed our relationship to, you know, viewing things, but, uh, and I'll, and it kind of weirds me out sometimes. Like I know that my husband gets alerts at work on his email every time I go in and out the front door, because, you know, the, that front porch camera then is going to go on because somebody's at the door. So it's a little weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's, I don't know really where I'm going with that, but just that that that's where I can relate to this, you know, viewing of things and and the people in the neighborhood. I mean, they can see that we're that that the camera is going, and so I don't think it's hidden. You know, the cameras are in view of everybody, so that they can kind of see that it's going on. And and of course, we would help any of our neighbors if any of that camera caught something of of you know use to them. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I'm also not in um, I'm not in a gated community and I live in the city like you and there is a gravel road in front of my house and we have had our neighbors were broken into and we had our car stolen from our driveway and I just had a good friend of mine who was staying with us and she had her license plate was pulled off of her car. So she had to go into DMV and like get a new one. And so this is like, yeah, like the third incident. And after the third incident, you know, my husband and I were talking, we're like, well, maybe we really should get cameras now. Like this is the third time we keep getting hit. Maybe we should start doing that. And that just feels similar to what you were saying. That feels weird to have to do that. Now we have to put surveillance up because people just keep being dicks. (laughs) Right. And that's an interesting thing to, for me, it feels like a really interesting thing to do as a human being that now we have to create additional levels of observation because it's not that, you know, we have Google Earth where I can totally see, you know, where they, some satellite took a picture of like my house and GPS where our cars are. And I can see like when we left, you know, the deflated shitty pool out on our front lawn. (laughs) Now it's, you know, it's everywhere. But I think it's a really strange thing. And I think what you're bringing up is, is privacy and safety. And I think this is also what this movie is largely saying is that at what point do you give up part of your privacy for safety in having observation occurring and that we're paying and now part of your duties as a human being are to dump data from the massive amount accumulated from having cameras around your place so you don't get screwed again. 
Right. Yeah. And it's not even that we're not going to get screwed again. It's just that then we'll have, a you know, a camera so that maybe that person would be arrested and hold a, held accountable or something, you know? I mean, maybe it could stop something from happening. But, you know, we were actually in, in our house when somebody broke, well, they didn't break a window, but they, they damaged the back of my mm. car because they're uh, mentally unstable. And they just took this metal stick and started hitting the back of my car. And I was actually in the house. So was Brian, but we were in the back of the house and it just was a weird sound. We were like, what the heck is that? You know? And then we went and looked and the the damage was already done. And the person, you know, was already gone. And like I said, it helped with um, an insurance claim, but beyond that, it's not like it really stopped anything from happening, you know? So the other thing that's really interesting about this, and I don't know if this is your setup, but it's, I think, other people's setups, and that when home security is built in, you're contracting that out to another party, right? So you're giving your safety right. and privacy over to a private entity of which you pay, who's now also observing the grounds, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. It's it's not what we do, but I definitely know there's a lot of people that do that, and that is, yeah, it's an interesting subject. And I think, like you said, this pull out view of everybody on these cameras, you can't help but uh, think of that subject, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) we're all being watched here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And this being, yeah, the most most modern of technology for that, even though there's a lot of, you know, and and granted, it's more of the, the monitor system. You know, less so when you actually have more of those global views of the control center, which we were talking about before, that has more of that, you know, antiquated Los Alamos giant buttons. And we'll see in a future minute of <laughs> the phone they've got in the control room and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's what's interesting to me is that we've taken this snapshot of the last, well, I guess it'd be, you know, 100 and some years, 110 years or so. Um, between the time that the two-way mirror was invented to monitors and you're getting that technological viewpoint, just this is modernity. This is right. this is this is the superstructure of um, an experiential and historical view of how we now are watching one another without a knowing or B not knowing and we've already given consent that that's okay. Because part of this also, why bring up safety is that this view is a part of public safety, right? This is to them ensuring that the world doesn't go under. This is an actual public safety view. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that I viewed (laughs) was a couple things that that caught my eye with this. One is Marty's huge paper bag. (laughs) On his bed. So I remember when he got that out of the car and he kind of like shoves it and maybe Kurt's hands or Jules hands or something. I forget. But, you know, it's loaded in as part of his his cargo. And I'm assuming that's where his like his secret stash is, his his untainted pot. (laughs) But I guess we'll have to kind of keep on looking to to find out but i i think that that's something that comes up later is that he's you know not affected by the the drugs that they're piping in and stuff because he's been 
smoke in the secret stash. And so if it is in that bag, that's a big stash. Uh, yeah, because Jesus Christ, that's like two pounds of weed in a paper bag, you know? That's like some 70s style, like you live in Thailand shit. We are selling you a brick of weed. Right. So, yeah. And then the other thing, which we don't have to really talk about this minute, but it's just I was thinking about how so Jules and Kurt are talking with each other. But there's a couple of other people that I think or at least Marty for sure that's sort of talking to himself. And it just kind of reminded me of that other part of life, which is people just talking to themselves. And I, I do that a lot. I don't know about you. I mean, I talk with my dog a ton throughout the day as we're hanging out. And uh, that actually is tied into my recommendation that, that I'll just tease for Friday <laughs> that has to do with somebody talking with their dog. And then when I do things, and you're kind of getting to know this because we're working on a project together, that, you know, when I go to stop, we use Audacity as a backup, but we use Zencaster as our main recording software or uh program, you know, when I go to stop that stuff and then upload it to you and everything, I say out loud exactly what I'm doing. And it really helps me process what I'm doing. And I do that when I'm grocery shopping, not all the time, but I can see myself sometimes walking down going, okay, I already have broccoli. I need some more kale. Okay, I do need more mushroom. You know, like I'm definitely one of those kind of people that's a an outward processor. I I talk I talk my feelings out, and I I just kind of talk out my. Um, it helps me with my thoughts to process them by speaking them out loud and uh, getting getting everything kind of okay. I did this, then I did this, then I did this, and you know, so it's just kind of came to mind when I heard sort of the chatter going on in these rooms, because these are all people separated in other rooms. It sounds like they're talking, you know, to themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm an external processor as well. I totally do that. And I do it a lot in the car. So I look fucking mm. crazy to people who are driving next to me and I have a convertible. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm but I'm like, whatever, this is my private space. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you think. And I do I work out ideas a lot that way, too. And I can't remember, somebody was talking about this recently, and I can't remember, but um, who it was. So we were talking about how external processors get to ideas. And a lot of the time, they have to work out bits of an idea until it comes out to the end into a concise, cogent idea. And I really resonated with that because I operate the same way. So it takes me a while to get to the efficient, concentrated concept that I want to convey but there has to be some like verbal workout before we get to that point. Oh, yeah. I am so that way. I mean, you know that <laughs> you and I have been talking with each other for, I don't know, over a year mm -hmm. or something. Just, yep. right? And and just, um, you know that that's how I am. <laughs> and I think having a friend who can listen, listen to you do that sort of processing is such a gift. So thank you for being one of those friends of mine. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, not, not even thanks is not even necessary. It's just, it's always, it's always delightful. You're always delightful actually. Like in all, oh. yeah. In all ways. Aww. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're happy, when you're upset, either way, you know, we take you either way. And it is a real gift to have friends who are okay with listening to you do that processing because it can sound quite 
herky-jerky at first and 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 scattered and and yeah or when emotions strong emotions come up and and having people around you that can listen to you process those emotions and not not have to interject with some problem solving or anything just letting you do your thing is is great so get yourself some of those <laughs> right well i think that's also what makes you a really good coach too because i think you understand that and i think one of the things that I mean, I think that's why both of us went into coaching school was that we want to figure out what it is to be a human being and how to be with other human beings. Because spoiler alert, nobody knows how to be a human being here, you know? <laughs> yeah. No one got a manual. It's challenging. Yeah. It's very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're getting a little tangenty here, <laughs> which I don't mind. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in regards to minute 19? Um, I will drop this one last little tidbit in. So after all of this about people being naked and covering up the view of people getting undressed in front of the window, after all of this, the dudes are watching Holden get naked. Yeah. <laughs> on the monitor. <laughs> although we still kind of don't get much like they really do some some sneaky editing there where it's still just his torso you know his torso basically you know we don't really get the butt and stuff yeah, yeah so. they're they're coy with his his jiblies but um <laughs> jumblies <Yes. laughs> his jumbly bits <laughs> so yeah yep that's true yep Sitterson and Hadley get to see it all. <laughs> That's a good shirt. Unfiltered. <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, let's shut this baby down. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you guys for showing back up on a Monday to listen to episode 19. Yeah, we are, um, gosh, we're live and available on everything now so we've got cabin minute cast for twitter and instagram of course you can go to cabin minutecast.com we have bios up now so you can check those out if you're interested in getting to know a little <laughs> bit more about molly and i and our <laughs> our motivations for doing this and uh, a thanks again to my husband brian he's the one that that got the website all together for us and really appreciate him doing that and getting some really fun, cool images on there and design, you know, all the design elements and stuff. That was all him. So, so yeah, that's wrapping up episode 19 and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday and uh, yeah, we'll catch you back at the cabin. Mm -hmm.